the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good works and good fruit have an antecedent. And the antecedent to all good works and good fruit is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when the Bible says... You and I are, to, are called to produce fruit. It must be the fruit of what? Faith. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Many of us who grew up in the church probably remember that Sunday school hymn. It is a lot of truth, to be sure, and it's a truth that we're looking at here today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Welcome to our broadcast. We're in Matthew chapter 21, as well as 2 Peter chapter 1, and a message called Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. And indeed, if Christ is in you, and you are experiencing that hope of glory, it'll show up in the fruit that comes out of your life. Let's talk about that in detail today, shall we? Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with this edition of Way of Grace. If you call yourself a believer, you can be single, but you're married. And your marriage to Christ matters imminently. Now watch this. He says that you should be married to another, even him who is raised from the what? In order that we might what? Bring fruit unto God. Oh, marriage equals fruit. Marriage equals fruit. It's so sad in our present generation that does not play out well in human marriages. Because God designed it for that purpose. God designed human marriages to bear fruit. And not just children, but the Imago Dei and the character of God and the attributes of God in a heterosexual union between a man and woman where the glory of God would be manifested in their life, working together cooperatively, entering into that deep, deep, deep conjugal union that results in children, a type of what occurs when you are truly saved. Y'all following me? In other words, under point number one, there are three subpoints I want you to capture before we go into our word. Point number one says, you were liberated to what? You and I were liberated to bear fruit. Subpoint A, the crucified Christ did what? Purchase your freedom. Did we get that in verse four? Christ died in order to liberate you in freedom from the law the crucified Christ, your, his death and your union with him in his death liberated you from the law. It liberated you from the curse of the law. There is therefore now no what? 
condemnation to those that are in Christ. I've been set free from all of the old condemnation that God justly had against me when I was married to his law. Is that true? That's what Romans 8 verse 1 and 2 plainly says. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not after the what? That's a description of what a believer is, a person who doesn't walk after the flesh, but after the what? Now look at verse 2. Here it is. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has done what? Set me free from the law of sin and death. From the law of sin and death. It liberated me. According to Romans chapter 6, when Christ died, I died. And according to Romans chapter 6, pull up Romans 6, 8. Notice what it says in Romans 6, 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also what? So now in your, in your first point, you were liberated to bear fruit. The crucified Christ purchased your freedom. The resurrected Christ, what? Produces new life in you. Every time someone is baptized, the picture is they have been brought into union with Jesus. And when they go into the water, they go in with Christ and they what? Die. And when they come out of the water, what are they declaring? That as Christ rose from the dead, even so we walk in what? Newness of life. In other words, watch this now because this is getting to my point. If you are a Christian, your life is Christ's life in you. That you are only alive because you have married someone who has risen from the dead. And his resurrection from the dead is on your behalf to have raised you from the dead as well. So y'all are both living a resurrected life. That's Galatians 2.20, right? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I what? I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. Every true Christian is alive. Now what that means is because Christ is in you, fruit is an absolute necessity. It's not possible for you to be born again and not bear fruit. Let's see if we can make this work in our sub-point. The crucified Christ purchased your freedom. The resurrected Christ produces new life in you. Thirdly, this union will glorify God in its what? Now, I love where we are here. Let me see if I can work this through. Think this through with me. When the scripture says in verse 4, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, that you should be married to another, even him to whom is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth what? Fruit unto God. The key in verse 4 is the word married. Do you see it? In some of your Bibles, it's the Greek word joined. Like Jesus said in Matthew 10, what God what? Joined together. But literally that Greek word means to be born. Literally it's our Greek term geneste, from which we dealt with several weeks ago. Except you be born again, you can't see the kingdom or enter it. Literally, what God is saying is when a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony, there's a birth that takes place. Now, the one who is actually producing the birth in you is Jesus. Because, see, you're dead. But because he lives, you live also. And so your life is a consequence of being joined to Christ. He's the living vine. 
And because you're with him, you live also. This is the powerful analogy of marriage, and you want to make sure you get it. He says that you should be married to another, made alive to another, born again to another, even him who was raised from the dead, in order that we should do what? Bring forth fruit unto God. Now let's deal with that last line. In order that we should do what? Bring forth fruit. Now that's a clause that I want you to capture. Here's what I want to say to you. The idea of bringing forth there, that word bring forth fruit is one Greek term, and it does not mean that you produce fruit in yourself. To bring forth fruit is not the idea that somehow you manufacture fruit, that you produce fruit, that you grow fruit. You and I don't have the capacity in ourselves to produce anything spiritual. You guys got that? Remember what our master said in John chapter 15, verse 4? I am the true vine. You are the branches. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it gets taken away. He makes it clear that if we abide in him and he in us, then will we bring forth fruit for without me you can do what? So here's what I want you to get as we work through our text. When we are called to be fruit-bearing Christians, and that's simply to be real believers, the fruit-bearing process is not your work. It's not your work to try to produce all of the characteristics that we're going to talk about. It's only your responsibility, are you ready, to bear the fruit. The Greek verb there literally means for you and I to simply bear the fruit. To simply be available in our relationship with our husband to bear the fruit. Not produce the fruit, bear the fruit. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You bear the fruit. Actually, this is what is called a transient verb. And what it means is to bring forth fruit and take it to a point of termination and give it to the one to whom it is rightly due. Let me see if I can make you see this clearly before we deal with our 10 categories. I am asserting to you right now that we are to bear fruit, we do not produce fruit, we do not manufacture fruit, that would be religion. All the works of the flesh are flesh. It is the work of the Spirit to produce in you spiritual fruit. Now here's how the idea works. Let me see if I can bring this home. In Luke 23, verse 26, this verb is used, it's called pharaoh in the Greek, and it means to bear. Now our Lord Jesus Christ had to bear his cross all the way where? To Calvary, to Golgotha. Now, he didn't make that piece of wood, not as a human being. It was laid on him. But he did have to what? Carry it, bear it. That's the idea. And then he had to also bear it to a certain place. That's the other idea. The idea of bearing fruit means that God does something in you, you allow it to manifest, and then you give it to the one who has actually produced it in you. You bring forth fruit unto who? Unto God. He produces it, you give it back to him. Christ is bearing the cross. That's Romans chapter 7. He died on our behalf, did he not? His death now allows us not to have to bear the cross for dying, but to bear the fruit because he's alive. He bears the cross, we bear the fruit. Did y'all get that? He bears the cross, we bear the fruit. He paid the price, we bear the fruit. He, he bore the wrath, we bear the fruit. 
because we're in union with him. When he rose, we rose. Here's another vivid picture of it that you might get it, that he might bear it after Jesus. This is that, that African man called Simon the Cyrenian coming out of the country, and on him they laid what? The cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. Why? Jesus was physically tired. Now, Simon is bearing the cross, but he didn't produce the cross. He didn't make the cross. It is a picture of an insight into the fact that you and I, when Christ bore the wrath of God, we bore it with him only in a shadow. Y'all got that? We bore it with him only in a shadow. Simon doesn't take him on the, all the way. He only takes him part of the way, and then it gets put back on Jesus. But it shows that when Christ died, he didn't die by himself, and he didn't die for himself. He died with all of God's Simons. That's the union between Christ and his church. But the verb is used to show you again, you guys, that when God says to you and I that we are to bring forth fruit, it's not that we produce the fruit. It's not that we make the fruit. It's not that we bear the fruit. We only carry the fruit. Numbers chapter 12, verse 23 is a perfect example. Remember that account in the book of Numbers where God told Moses to tell 12 men to spy out the land? And God had already told the children of Israel, the land to which you are going is a land of milk and honey, of grapes and vineyards, of fig trees and olive trees. Remember? And there were two men who, according to this verse, Numbers 13, I'm sorry, Numbers 13, verse 12. Numbers 13, verse 12, uh, 23. Numbers, Numbers 13, 23 is where we will be. There it is. And they came unto the brook of Eshol, here it is, and cut down from this a branch with one cluster of what? And they did what? They bear it. That is the idea. They cut it down and they bore it. Now these grapes were massive. They were so big that it took two men to carry it. And notice what it says, and they bear it, be they bear it between two upon a what? So you see the idea of a long staff, big old clusters of grapes, one in front and one in back. And what are they doing? They're carrying it back to the camp. What are they about to do? Testify that God was telling the truth all along, that in the promised land, there will be blessings of grace for you that you would not be able to imagine. Now notice the picture. They are carrying the grapes. They are not producing the grapes. They are not manufacturing the grapes. They are only doing what? Carrying the grapes. That's the idea. When you and I are in Christ, the only thing we're supposed to do is depend upon him to produce it, and you and I are to carry it. That means display it. Show to the world that God has saved us by his mercy, he's changed our life, and that the fruit that's in our life is the consequence of his goodness to us. But we dare not tell anyone we make the fruit happen. We produce the fruit. Am I making some sense? It's very important for you to get that concept. It is a rich metaphor. Matthew chapter 14, verse 18 brings one more example of this. I'm actually using the Greek word here that you don't see in the context. Now, this is about the time when our Lord multiplied the loaves. And the people were hungry on that day. And Christ said, do we have anything for them to eat? And when the disciples discovered a few loaves and a few fish, here's what Christ said. Here's our verb again. He said, bring them hither to me. That's our exact same verb. Now, did the disciples make the bread? Did they make the fish? 
What did they do? They discovered that there was bread, and they discovered that there was fish, and all they did was bring it to who? To Jesus. Now, the point is this. When God works in your life, he's going to produce fruit, and your job is to give it back to God. Your job is to give God all the glory for the fruit he produces in your life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is very important for you to get. Now, what I want to do now is work through categorically some of the very explicit terminology about fruit in your Bible. Since we have made it very clear now that the idea of fruit bearing is the consequence of you and I being liberated by the grace of God. Christ died to purchase us. He rose to produce in us, and the union between us and God will bring forth that fruit as we have discovered. And, 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 and we have learned that that verb is a transient verb. It means to carry or bring to. Now, how does this occur in your life? There is another point in your outline, point number two. How does this occur in the life of the believer? I want to make sure this comes home. Lord, how am I to see fruit in my life? Now, what I'm about to say now is going to help some of you. Because you know in your own life that you have a real question about whether or not God is working in you and producing fruit. You know that. So I'm just going to keep it real with you so that we can help you. Listen, one of, one of the things we want to never do in the gospel is give you any reason to believe the lie that you would impose upon yourself that you're all right when you're not all right. And particularly those of you who have sat under the gospel for years here, and you've heard it over and over and over and over again, and you know you still have not moved, you have not grown, you have not matured, just this kind of stubborn turtle. Nope, I ain't moving. I'm going to sit in my same seat at my same time every week. Don't ask me to do nothing else and you will die in your sin. So I want you to hear this now. The Spirit of God, if you're really a new creature in Christ, will never ever let you assess yourself the wrong way. Now, if you and I assess ourselves the wrong way, we simply override the honest light that the Holy Ghost cast on us. Am I making some sense? Like, the Holy Ghost will say, you toe up. You say, no, I ain't that bad. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will tell you you're proud. No, I'm not proud. The Holy Ghost will tell you that you are fearful and doubting. And you say, no, it's not fear and doubting. It's just, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable. We talked about that on Friday. I'm uncomfortable with talking to people about Jesus. No, you're still operating out of a fear and phobia because of your pride. You don't want to be rejected. It means you're avoiding suffering for Christ. Can I get a witness? Can I get Because see, right now, I'm going to be dealing with that fruit in a moment. It's called the fruit of evangelism. And we don't like to tell people about Jesus because, you know, Jesus ain't popular with nobody. And I ain't quite ready to take a hit. Well, that's a problem. That's a real problem. So here's what I'm saying. A lot of us Christians do, uh, we spend all our life avoiding taking the hit from the Holy Ghost, like the Matrix, <laughs> avoiding taking the hit. Here come the bullets from the Holy Ghost, and here we go, avoiding the hit. And every day, 
you do that, you are not glorifying God. There are three things that are essential in your life and mine for fruit to be born. You have to die. See that? You have to die. So point A, what is the believer's responsibility? Die. You have to die. Yep. I don't care how you work it out, you have to die. I gave one example on Friday, I'll give one right now just to help you out. We, you know we're dealing metaphorically, right? There are things in your life that are not right. And the only way you're going to overcome them is to die to them. You know what it's like to die to something? It's when after you have wrestled with it so long that you realize I can't have it and be happy. And something in you says, I really do want to please God. So finally, you capitulate and you give it up. That's when you die to that thing. Now stay with me. What you're dying to is the old man. Because the old man would love to be saved, but he doesn't want to be run by Jesus. But in order for you to be liberated from him, you've got to die. This is the doctrine of mortification. And really, this is an aspect of growth and the relationship of the seed in you, which is the hope of glory that is essential for bearing fruit. Except a seed go into the ground and what? Go into the ground and die. This is the humility that God has to give you to accept the fact you can't have that way anymore. You can't have that attitude. You can't have that notion. You can't have that worldview. You can't have that perspective. You can't have that position. You can't have that thing. You got to let it go because God has something else for you. You got to die to something in order to live to something else. And a lot of people are not willing to die. The other thing you have to do, not only is do you have to die to the old man, you have to yield from the heart. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, that's where the real problem is. Now, y'all know, in all reality, the reason why giving up sin is hard is because God expects you to give it up from the heart. Isn't that right? The heart has to yield to God. Give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. Because the heart is the essence of the man. You and I can do a lot of outward things and it appear like we're giving up stuff. And we're not giving it up at all. In our heart, we're still on the throne of our heart. And we are governing our life the way we want it. We carve out our day. We carve out our week. We set up our plans. Jesus has nothing to say about it. And at the end of the week, we haven't prayed. We haven't cried. We haven't exhorted. We haven't encouraged. We haven't studied. We haven't sacrificed. We haven't witnessed. And it goes on week after week after week after week and month after month after month. Because we are on the throne of our heart. We are not really saying, Lord, have your way. Honest folk ain't going to hell. Honest folk ain't going to hell. How many are going to raise your hand? Honest folk not going to hell. Because I know, I know a bunch of people among us who are just like that. Carve out their whole week. They wouldn't dare let Jesus run their heart. Dying to the old man, yielding from the heart, and submitting in your will. Submitting. 
Remember, the Lord resists the what? And he gives grace to the what? Right, this is the only way, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see real fruit in your life. Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you would like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.